Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like... At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions, made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. United Animal Health, scientifically better. Learn more at unitedanh.com. Beringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, Cutting-edge research and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm your host for today's episode. Joining me today is Abby Sykes, a Ph.D. student from North Carolina State University. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. It's our pleasure to have you. Would you mind giving the audience a brief introduction? Sure. Hi, and it's a pleasure to be joining the podcast as well. Um, yes, as you said, I'm a PhD student at um, NC State. I am working in Dr. Machado's lab, um, mainly in modeling the spread of diseases within the United uh, swine diseases within the United States. Um, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not from the U.S. I'm uh, actually British. Uh, but I got into my program because I have a keen interest in um, veterinary diseases. Um, I did my undergrad at a um, veterinary university before coming to NC State. So I was very familiar with that and I got a passion, I guess, for for diseases in animals. So. Excellent. Well, Abby, I can assure you that um, the the British wine industry has contributed a significant amount to the current United States wine industry, uh, from genetics programs to uh, key educators. Um, I was lucky enough to be influenced by Dr. Mike Ellis at the University of Illinois when I was going to school. Um, and, and Dr. Uh, Ellis uh, brings a wealth of knowledge and an excellent accent, just like yours, to help <laughs> communicate that knowledge. So we appreciate all that our friends across the pond have, have done for our industry historically and, and that you continue to do for our industry today. And we had Dr. Machado on the podcast recently. Um, you know, he's had a, a passion and a focus on foreign animal disease prevention. And I know that you're working in the world of foreign animal disease, specifically ASF. Talk to us a little bit, Abby, about your work with ASF. Yes. So um, I have been building a mathematical model um, which simulates the spread of African swine fever throughout um, the southeast of the United States. So we introduce an infection um, randomly at a farm, and then we see how it spreads the type of transmission routes that it Tends to use like uh, tends to use to infect specific farms. Um, how quickly it spreads, how far it spreads. Um, we've been incorporating real population data, real animal movement data, and real vehicle movement data, so that it's very accurate to the area that we're looking at. Um, and then we're also looking into potential like local spread as well that could be. Um, contributed to by uh, wildlife, 
sharing equipment, um, just other movements that we can't capture in other data. Very good. And as I understand it, you focused on uh, the Southeast United States specifically, and were able to use some some real producer data, obviously not an ASF outbreak, but their, you know, transportation records, I assume, their, their production facility types and numbers of animals. Could you talk to us a little bit about what information went into the model? Yes. Yeah, so we have um, a lot of population data from farms of several different companies, which we're very grateful for their participation and collaboration with us. Um, we also have um, movement data. We had um, GPS data for trucks that are moving animals from farm to farm, animals um, from farm to slaughterhouses. We also had GPS data for the vehicles moving the crews to different farms to help unload and load the animals and also feed delivery vehicles, um, which helps to capture the possibility of ASF transmission on those vehicles. Um, and also because obviously the US hasn't had a African swine fever outbreak, we had to kind of calibrate, you know, how quickly things transmit and how well they do like can be transmitted by different routes so we used historical porcine epidemic diarrhea virus data from the outbreak back in 2013 in that area just to give us an indication of what the spread of a novel disease like pd or asf what that would look like so that gave us a little bit of information uh, a jumping off point per se for our ASF model. I think that's good to include in the model because um, certainly ASF, like all diseases, is going to be variable in, in presentation and we have to be ready for the range of outcomes. Another thing that impacts the outcomes greatly is uh, what's the strategy? So we found ASF uh, is our initial attempt to immediately stomp it out, to eradicate it at all costs right away, or do we take more of a containment, a control approach? Um, where we try to build a perimeter around ASF where it's at, but maybe aren't as aggressive. Could you talk to us a little bit about what you put into the model for the United States response, for lack of a better term, to identifying that first case? Yeah, so... Um... We we put into uh, we put some controls in our model that have been described in the USDA's current ASF response, so the Red Book, um, and so we modeled our controls off of what's described there. So that included um, a 72-hour movement standstill. So as soon as uh, an ASF case is detected. Across the whole country, all movements of live animals will be stopped. Um, we also went a little bit further than the USDA has in their um, book, and we stopped all animal movements, um, and that's for 72 hours, and then that will be lifted. We also had um, depopulation of entire farms if they were infected. Um, contact tracing of both animal movements and vehicle movements, um, depopulation of direct contacts. That is something that 
I have to like really state here that the USDA aren't currently planning on using, but it is something that has been discussed. So we included it in our model just to cover everything. And finally, the implementation of control zones where there would be the requirement for movement permits of animals and also uh, regular testing of farms. What did you learn from the modeling events, Abby? What, what's the range of outcomes look like for the United States and, and which uh, of our reactions led to the best outcome? So the best outcome seemed to be all of the uh, controls being implemented. However, when we look at, when we look, when, when we are sequentially adding the controls, we do see that there really isn't that much difference when you add in um, depopulating direct contacts. So that doesn't seem to make so much of a difference. Um, but yeah, the control areas make a huge difference. Um, but altogether, having all of those controls in place was the best. We do see at the moment that it very much depends on the farm that the outbreak starts at. So if the outbreak starts at a very highly connected farm um, and farms that are upstream in the production system, it seems to spread wider than farms that have uh, less connections. Lasonia infection poses a major threat to pig gut health negatively impacting performance and the ability to fend off other pathogens. Fight Lasonia at the site of infection with Enterosol ileitis from Barringer Ingelheim, a convenient oral vaccine that stimulates a direct immune response. Talk to your Barringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. Any final thoughts you want to share with the audience, Abby? ASF is something that we are definitely going to need to be prepared for if we have an introduction. Um, and that hopefully, or I hope, and our lab hopes that the research that we're doing at the moment can contribute to that. As with all models, these are estimations, um, not predictions, but it is helpful to give us an idea of what might happen and, and what's going to be the most effective. And as you said, you know, we don't want to jump the gun and do all this depopulation of animals that aren't infected if if it's not necessary it's it's a lot of money it's a lot of stress for producers and so it's yeah so i think looking into stuff like that is definitely um very important to our to our lab models are a critical part of the planning process and planning is a is a very important event the plan itself needs to be updated regularly, but the process of planning is indispensable. So thank you, Abby, for everything and all of your team at Dr. Machado's lab are, are doing for this and, and from the entire industry. I want to say thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing your work. And to our, our audience out there, thank you for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. If you haven't visited us on our website yet, please check it out at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you won't miss out on our, our next episode and all of Abby's good updates from her future research efforts. Thank you very much for joining us today. Please have a great rest of your day, and, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. 
if you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt at swineit.com. And we would love to take a look at your research. 